Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. I'm Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And you're listening to week 46 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Now, this is a bit of a, a bitter and a not so sweet show, unfortunately. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, with Cineworld closing all of its 127 cinemas in the UK and other cinemas under its umbrella, this is a very difficult time. Cineworld enabled us with its unlimited card to see all the films in the cinema. And whilst this year's film slate has been on the move, we find ourselves in a bit of a conundrum. Most of our team work for Cineworld and they find themselves in an incredibly difficult position. We're so sorry, guys, that you have been put in that position. And we're here for you as much as we can. And we can help you in any way we possibly can too. Um... But it also possesses possesses. It also poses <laughs> another question: um, How do we continue the podcast in its current format and its current lineup? Craig is the producer of the main show, and we've talked over how we can progress under these circumstances. The first thing we've decided to do is continue the main show with a mix of cinema movies and cinema at home. Ranjit and Herbie have decided to take a step back for a while. That is until they feel more able to take up cinema at home again. So we're going to attempt to see some movies within our local cinemas and we've reached out to them for a couple a couple of these local cinemas for some support. And uh, David is going to go ahead with producing Road to the Oscars with the first episode being recorded this very month. Now, Topical Talk, however, is going to be ceasing to exist. Uh, we're no longer producing Topical Talk going forward. However, Shivani is producing a very exciting new show, one that we look forward to sharing with our Patreons first. It's a, trust me when I say this, it is a very, very exciting show. And I'm really looking forward to it. Um, wow, that was tough. Um, other than that, Craig, Mr. Fields, how art thou? It's really hard to describe exactly how I'm feeling right now because I'm... I'm I'm in shock in the way that perhaps Cineworld handled yeah. the situation. I'm in shock that they've closed every single cinema, mm. um, whilst other cinema, cine, not Cineworlds, but cinemas, shall I say, um, are still open. Yeah. Um, it puts the podcast, obviously, as we just said, in a bit of a conundrum. Um, but not only that. It puts our friends yeah. and our, uh, our and our team in a bit of jeopardy in some way, and that to me is unnecessary and incredibly unfortunate and incredibly horrible for yeah. those guys to be going through that. And my heart truly does go out to every single one of those people on our team, but also every single person that works at Cineworld because I've worked at Cineworld myself and. Yeah. You know, I, fi- I f- these guys are like a family. Yeah. 
to me and to to the podcast. So yeah, it's it's not good. Um, but but other than that, things are progressing. We're we're working through it together. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for the content that we've got today, and I'm excited for how the podcast is moving forward because it isn't it isn't all terrible news. No, 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 no absolutely not. Of course, no. We've got some exciting stuff to share with you as well. We are um, the top within the top ten podcasts being hosted by Podium within the UK, yep. which is huge news. Um, that's really really good. Um, you know, we were mentioned on uh, International Podcast Day um, by Mr. Mark Stedman of Podion, which, which is just fantastic. He, he, um, I suppose, put our podcast forward as a suggestion to, to listen to in a collection of, of different podcasts that are hosted by Podion uh, and, and some that not, are not, but um, as a way of, you know, showcasing different podcasts um, on a, a really good platform um during uh, international podcast day which was really really cool as well so thank you mark for that if you're listening um so yeah the podcast is still on an upward tra- i can't even say the word trajectory that's the word thank and you a big thank you as well to all our listeners for the tenet episode which was downloads were through the roof on that it was wonderful to see it was really amazing yeah. so a big thank you it really was it was huge it was huge and um we have got a correspondence for that which we'll play during the box office rundown which <laughs> it's a voice <laughs> clip i'm looking forward to playing that one oh That's yeah sure. and like, like we always say if you've got a voice clip if you want to be on the show then please do send them in and we'll happily play play them yeah and we've actually got two emails as well which is going to be great to read those out later on in the show as well but david how are you how are you doing? Uh, I'm not too bad. Yeah, I just want to reiterate what, what Craig has said. Uh, I'm so sorry for all the employees at Cineworld. And I'm sorry that they found out about this on social media first. Um, I think that was that was terrible. It was it it was just a great shame. And if there's any anything we can do to help support you, um, please, please do get in contact. You know, we're, we're here for you guys. Um, we love you guys. And, uh, but yeah, I am so pumped, uh, delighted to be back in the studio with you, my good friend, Mr. Fields. And I'm really excited about the lineup for this show. Great correspondence. We've got voice clips. We've got emails. So without further ado, let's crack on. Mr. Fields, what is the lineup? For today's show. Well, we're going to be reviewing films from uh, different places today, actually. We've got two movies from Netflix, the first being Enola Holmes and the other... I'm thinking of ending things. There's two cinema releases for us to review together. Bill and Ted Face the Music and After We Collided. And then David will be rounding off the show. Uh, well, I didn't manage to get to some of the films. David did. Um, and he's going to be running us through those films. Um, and we'll discuss them as I do have a little bit of input that I can put on them. But, <laughs> uh, David, what are those films that you've seen? So the films that I have seen, and they're not going to be full reviews, but there's going to be a discussion. I'm going to let you know whether they're worth seeing. I've seen quite a few of them before Cineworld, unfortunately, had to close. So I will be telling you about The New Mutants, the Broken Hearts Gallery, The Roads Not Taken, Savage, and Saint Maud. Ooh. <laughs> awesome. Um, we'll also have some news. But coming up next is actually... Can you say it, David? The Box Office Rundown. So dramatic. Love it. Press the button. <laughs> this is the box office rundown 
Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. That is indeed right. It is the box office rundown. Uh, This is for the weekend of the 2nd of October to the 4th of October, uh, 2021. No, 20, not 21. (laughs) Uh, Get ahead of yourself, Craig. (laughs) It's just what I would hope to say because by that point, we should be back in the well, cinema yeah, I'm hoping films. this time next year the cinemas will be back open. Let's hope and pray. David, will you kick us off at number 86? Yeah, don't worry. Don't, don't turn the podcast off. We're not doing our top 100 box office rundown. That would be ludicrous. <laughs> um, 86 is The Road's Not Taken. Um, and I just wanted to touch upon that. Um, and I just wanted to say, th- th- this gives you an idea of how much cinema is struggling. Um it took 896 quid at, on that weekend. Now, that's not a lot of money. And that is, unfortunately... We've got an email, actually, about Cineworld and about the safety measures they put in place, and we will touch upon that. It is a great shame because the cinemas were made safe, but I could I could talk for hours about that. Um, we won't go down that road. Uh, rude. Rude. We won't go down that road. You've drunk I just so said the, I just, I just... much <laughs> energy drinks. You're slurring your words, man. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah I, am, I am sober, I can assure you. No, I just said the road's not taken, and then I said, rude. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it in Scottish. I do apologise. I know we have some Scottish listeners. They'll be offended by that terrible, terrible accent. Craig, before I make a fool of myself anymore, what's in at number 10? So, kicking the uh, box office rundown then at the official number 10 is The New Mutants. Uh, Disney finally managed to get this out, and uh, you're going to be talking about this later on in the show. Yeah. But uh, it's been on release for five weeks, taking, well... On that weekend, sixty grand, nearly nearly sixty one, um, and its total growth to date is one point five mil um, in the UK. This is all UK figures, by the way. This isn't including global or yeah, US yeah. or anything like that. Um, but David, number ten, sorry, number nine. <laughs> <laughs> number nine is one hundred percent Wolf. Uh, this is a film that me and Craig haven't seen. If you have seen it, please do email us in. Uh, overall, it's taken a total of one point three million pounds. Like I said, if you, the wonderful listener, has seen one hundred percent Wolf, drop us a sound clip, drop us an email. We'll happily um, read it out or play it on on said show. Mister Fields, number eight. Number eight is David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. Uh, I haven't seen this yet, but um, it's on Netflix, apparently, according to you, David. It um, is. It's been on in, in, in a little bit. Oh, Jesus Christ, I've drunk too much Red Bull. Um, it's been on release for two weeks, um, and it's taken an impressive amount, £92,000 at the weekend, um, taking in total 400000 or just over 400000 um, which is good. Um, yeah. You've seen it on Netflix. Is it any good? Oh, this is... I mean, so, how can I even say that? I mean, so David this, this was given a cinematic release because this is David Attenborough's witness statement. This is something that he has wanted to get off his chest for a while. I can honestly say, if you've seen the series Our Planet on Netflix, I don't know if you've seen that. Um, it's a brilliant series. It's worth watching. This uses a lot of footage that is in that series, but what it has is over the top, it actually has David Attenborough giving a, a statement about the, the state of the planet of um, the terrible impact we're having on this planet in terms of deforestation, the melting of the ice caps, uh, a variety of 
things that are, are, we are destroying our planet basically um if you want to know more about that and some great documentaries do listen back to our earth day special where we really touch upon environmental issues but this is i'm so glad it got a cinematic release i'm so glad it comes in at number eight at the box office it is on netflix it is so powerful um it's one of david attenborough's best pieces of work it's an absolute must see and i hope i hope my short little uh um, speech there empowers people to your short live, little review live more green which I could do better I could do much better we all could and to take global warming seriously and realise that and the, the film does touch upon this it's not too late to change you know environments we're on the precipice we're on though. the precipice environments can recover the planet can recover but we are we are tinkering on the edge and the film makes it very very clear and it yeah. shows you what's going to happen by 20 by 2030 10 years away and it shows you what's going to happen in 2040 2080 2100 and let me tell you what's going to happen in 2100 if we carry on doing the things we're doing is bad watch this documentary i will <laughs> i hope so after that <laughs> you know Imagine- actually on the back of that though i will say i've actually i watched uh, uh, chernobyl Oh, what, the series? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you mention that because he actually starts in Chernobyl. I, I didn't know that entirely. I knew they went there. Yeah. Um, but I, I watched it because I, I the comment I wanted to say about like the things that we're doing to our planet and the things that we've done, yeah. One of the, that, the, Chernobyl was one of the biggest um, nuclear disasters mm. ever to happen. And the Soviet Union caused absolute mayhem by doing that and still haven't to this day sort of admitted how bad it is or how bad it was but but nature seems to have reclaimed from and this is something that i just know for some reason a, a, a good our good friend leon mccabe actually went to chernobyl and um, oh, really? did a tour around there yeah and he was telling me all about it as well and very 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 interesting but if you haven't seen chernobyl uh, give that a watch. Really, can really I good. can I just give a big shout out to our, one of our patrons, Stephen Church, who has been my manager at work, who has been going on and on and on at me about watching this series. Well, actually, it's because he mentioned it to you, and then through you by or by a form of osmosis, it kind of <laughs> made me want to watch it, and then I, I, I have Blimey. actually taken that on. Uh, um, but should we go yeah. back to the box office? Yeah, let's let let's do that. Okay, number um, seven, then please, David. Number seven is on the rocks. Um, this has been out for one week. Uh, it took £93,000 at the weekend, a total gross of £93,000. Um, Road to the Oscars is happening, and I can tell you this is in the Oscars betting at 40 to 1 for Best Picture. God, you're giving away your content for free there. Yeah, well... You know, you... this is another thing that we might be giving away to our Patreon yeah. supporters, Road to the Oscars. I am I am really excited about uh, the Oscars and bringing you this Road to the Oscars series. Let me tell you, it's going to be superb. I don't want to big it up too much. This is much. a little bit of an exclusive, because I haven't even told you this, that, but it is going to be going out to our Patreons first. Wow. As okay, an exclusive. Okay, I didn't know that. I'm producing it, but, yeah, well, good. I'm producing it, but I didn't know that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, that is happening. So, if you are a Patreon supporter, and we know some of you are, um, you're going to be getting Shivani's new project, which we're really excited to share with you guys first. It's going to be great. And Road to the Oscars is going to be going to you guys First, if you're not a Patreon supporter and you're interested in the content that we're going to be putting out, that's going to be really high quality stuff. Um, that's going to uh, the Patreons first. So for as little as $3 a month, you could be getting exclusive content first. Uh, it will be coming to everybody else's ears, but at a bit of a later date, a couple of weeks. Um, or it might be a slightly cut down version. 
I don't know yet, but we want to give some exclusive things to the patrons because you're paying money. We're creating content, but we want to give you some yeah. exclusivity. Um, There's lots yeah. happening with Road to the Oscars, um, including the first episode should be out at the end of October. Um, we might have another main show before then where I release release more information. Uh, I am getting confused. So onward with the box office. Uh, <laughs> because at number six <laughs> is actually uh, Disney's Onward, which uh, has taken a staggering gross of seven and a half million pounds. Um, hmm. Well... I mean, this is since March, isn't it? Or yeah, February it when it came out. It's, it's great to see it back in the box office because it's a great film and it's going to be involved in awards season. I can tell you I that mean, now. I can say... Best animated I'm, feature. I'm I'm not too happy with Disney, to be honest with you. So, I, you know, the less that people did go or do go to see this, um, the better in some... In some <sighs> Come on. We, no, I'm sorry. A Disney, got, they're not in my good books. Yeah, well, that that's 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 the topic for another show. Um, is it? I think I think so. Maybe the news. We, we we maybe the news. We'll argue. I mean, we can't sit on our on our sit on our review show and say don't go to the cinema. Well, I didn't, I didn't say that. I said don't go and see a Disney movie. I mean, that is most of the movies that are in there. We actually. will say now. I think Disney made the wrong call by putting Mulan. Ah, save it. Save, save it, it for okay. the news. Okay. In at number five, The Elfkins. Um, this has taken 131,000 at the weekend. Its total gross is 131,000. We haven't seen it. We won't be seeing it. If you have seen it, let us know. Why won't we be seeing it? Are you going to go and see it? I might try. Okay. I mean, the, uh, this is the thing. I am going to be trying to see as many films as I possibly can. If I can if I can work out the logistics. I mean, we had unlimited cards for Cineworld. And I know. It's, losing it's that makes it... It makes yeah, it. We yeah, we, we want to bring you content. We want to bring you these cinema reviews. Both me and Craig work full time. We've lost our Cineworld Unlimited cards. It's making it very tough, but we are going to try. So, in at number five is The Elfkins. Craig, what have we got at number four? Number four, we have Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh, yes. This is going to be reviewed on today's show by David and I. It's a main review. Uh, it's taken a staggering. One million pounds uh, <laughs> at the box office in the UK. Uh, at the weekend, it took one hundred and forty-six thousand um, pounds. It's 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 small fry. People aren't going to the cinema quite clearly, yeah. and uh, with Cineworld closing, that is just going to go down as well. With we, we, staggering, you were staggered at how low. I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Just it's, clarify. It's that. not good. Uh, David, in at number three, Blim, please. Im at number th- Im. In at number three, we have After We Collided. Now, this has done really, really well. This is a follow-up to the original, which was on Netflix, which I believe was just called After. Did very, very well on Netflix. This has got a cinematic release. Uh, This took £3,198,469. It's done... It's done well. Uh, it's got people into the cinema. It was nice to see people in the cinema. Um, I've seen this film twice, believe it or not. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, once I saw it on my own to review. The other time I saw it with my good friend Craig. Very uncomfortable. We, I had I had some free nachos that I had to claim from Cineworld. I enjoyed those. Double cheese dip. Lovely. Just, um, just saying... They gave them to you for free because they loaded it onto the unlimited card as a way of trying to entice people back in. Yeah. They, you, they did nothing wrong. They were giving David. Oh it yeah, for yeah, free. yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not saying. And everyone bad else in the world. No, I mean, no, nothing bad happened for them to give you a free. No, pen, no, no. They just, they, just saying. They tried to get people back into cinema. There's a whole. We'll talk more about it. Oh, we news. really will. We'll... Um, Craig, what's in it? Number two. Well, it's cats and dogs. Pause. Unite. 
Um, this has been on release just for that one weekend. Uh, it took nearly, well, four 400,000, no, let's start 456,000 pounds there we go at that weekend um which is its total gross because it's only been out for that weekend and we do have a correspondence to that which we're going to be reading out in a moment um after after something else but give us the number one then david no surprise. Number one in the box office in the UK is Tenet. Um, at the weekend, it took 628,000. It's taken a total of £15,948,191. You know what? This just shows. This this shows that people would go to the cinema if there was yep. Yep. the blockbusters, yep. the films that they wanted to see, and... and, and Oh, it's so annoying because I do want to talk about it in the news, but Mulan would have been one of those. Yeah, Mulan, 100%. You cannot blame people for not going to the cinema when you're not showing stuff in the cinema. Exactly. (laughs) Bond would have been another one. So Bond would have have been... Due out on the 24th of November. Bond would have been the Christopher Nolan fans and then some. Yeah. Mulan would have been the families. And you've got cinema back up and running, keeping going until January. You know what I mean? Everyone loves Bond. Um... Come on then, that's, that we have something about it, something so, to, to say. we have uh, an exclusive clip from a dear friend and listener um, of the show and also the founder, producer and host of The Pass podcast. It's a fantastic little review of Tenet. So let's, ha- let's take a little listen uh, to this clip from one of our amazing listeners. Craig, David, welcome back to the show. We loved having you back. I loved your first week episode of Is It Worth It? It's your friend... And colleague here, Mr. Paul Newbegin, leaving my thoughts on Tenet. First of all, I uh, agree with you both. What a sublime film. Um, and also how brave of this black adder of films going over the parapet, the trenches, going over and saying, I will be the first. Come with me, join my clarion call to the cinema. Wow, how brave and what a film to do it. This is obviously from the man who has no need for sage, no need for rosemary, no need for dill, chives, basil, because he wants and loves and needs only time. This isn't a love letter to time. This is a ransom note. He has time captive. He has time in his hands and he will not release time until he is good and done. The acting in this film is, without a doubt, sublime, superb and Every single lead character gives you everything, although I would agree with Craig's notion on Sir Kenneth Branagh. Um, I, there's some some down points I have about him, I, especially with the character's uh, motives, let's say, um, you know, that come to light. I don't think they're kind of properly explored. Uh, and that brings me to my first issue with the film. I think because of the pace of the film and the very high concept, I think some key points in the film aren't fully explored um, and and maybe fully explained. And, and I get what Craig's saying about how Nolan doesn't want to hold people by the hand, but it almost seems like he's trying to 
get away with as little explanation as is possible. And I don't think it's quite pulled off from your kind of, uh, let's say, your semi-amateur, you know, your pub Sunday pub league level uh, film goer like myself. That's that's one of my bigger issues with the film. Um, And I think because of that and because of the rapid pace, some of the payoffs in the end... Uh, they don't feel kind of as satisfying um, as maybe, again, some of the payoffs that happen in Inception, for example, or Memento, which is one of my favourite Nolan films. Um, I think, you know, that payoff could be a little bit better and a little bit better explored. But overall, wow, you know, what a film. This is this is a film where, to use a David analogy, you're not just going to get starter, main course and dessert. You're going to get appetizers, aperitifs, amuse-bouche, palate cleansers, pre-desserts, post-desserts, cheese boards, wines. This is the fat duck of films. And wow, what? a meal i really really enjoyed it but like i say i just had some issues around the pace thank you and goodbye <laughs> wow <laughs> I do, oh paul we've uh we've just <laughs> we've just listened to that in the studio that was oh look thank you so much paul um i'm not going to repeat any of what you said because people can go back and listen to it again but uh, only time was was <laughs> one of my favorites and and your and your food analogy was was superb um if you like Paul would like to be on the show, then do email us or WhatsApp us or 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 somehow us a a a, a sound clip, and we will happily play it to you. Somehow, would you like me to give you the technical details on how uh, to well, do that? Well, I think you could for our listener because we've got a lot of listeners, and they can be part of the show too. So, yeah. so if you want to send a, an audio clip, go onto your memos on your mobile telephonic communication device, record it on there, and then click the little share button, and you can email it to my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com or alternatively you can use facebook messenger and uh, click on the facebook messenger uh, for is it worth it and uh, just record a little clip on there and we can uh, plug that straight in that's how paul did his and uh, sent it to us um so it does work it does get to our ears and it does end up on the show as well but not only that we do have another correspondence here it's from our wonderful listener pete and uh, i'm going to read this out from the very beginning um pete says you ready for this? I am ready. Hi, Craig and David. Thanks for all your work this year, keeping us informed of films in and out of the cinema. When James Bond moved the release date, I was waiting for Cineworld to announce closures. As even though I had enjoyed coming back to the cinema and felt extremely safe, the numbers were not coming back. Since Cineworld reopened, I saw a good number of films. Tenet was so amazing that I did watch it again. Unhinge was, well, I might say a modern day <laughs> duel for those who have watched the Steven Spielberg 70s film. <laughs> uh, I genuinely think Russell Crowe wanted a film where he could be really nasty. <laughs> I thought it had a good point at the start, but it just yeah. felt a bit over the top. Um, couldn't agree more. Um, I also saw Bill and Ted Face the Music, which was not as good as the original films, but was fun nonetheless and good for the nostalgia able to escape and gave the chance to share a film series with my boys, which I might not have done had it not come out. 
The final film I watched was the new Cats and Dogs film. Uh, I really enjoyed the original of these, but as a third instalment, it was, uh, well, quite dreadful. And <laughs> I would say not worth it. However, knowing that the cinemas are were closing, as a family, we made the most of the experience with nachos, hot dogs, popcorn and drinks. The film may have been awful, but the experience could not be beaten. Great to hear. No matter how much films move to streaming, and even though I have Disney and Amazon, it is never the same as the cinema experience. Totally agree with you. Um, I was genuinely upset by the closing, as I love going to the cinema and have done for most of my life. I was disappointed that Disney for not releasing Mulan, here, here, and uh, for many other films, either going straight to streaming services or pushing back the release date. I feel cinemas have actually done well with the COVID safety measures and I, for one, felt safer at the cinema than I did doing my weekly food shop. I hope this is not the end of cinema as I feel James Bond, Wonder Woman 84 and Black Widow would not be the same just watching from home. I look forward to hoping, I look forward hoping that a midnight showing of some massive blockbuster will happen again that I can share in the experience with others. Here, here. However, for the time being, I will continue to watch films at home and I look forward to suggestions from yourselves of what is worth it. Thanks, Pete, a fan. Pete, that was a really, really, really great email. Thank you so much for letting us know your views on yeah. Cats and Dogs. Pause, Unite. Um, <laughs> what you thought about James Bond moving. Um, your your thoughts Bill on and Bill Ted. and Ted. Um, the Cine World situation. I mean, there's so much content there. Yeah, great email. It was lovely to hear about the family as well because that is what cinema is about. It's about the, the smell of the popcorn, the, the excitement, the trailers, the sitting down. Oh, it's such a shame that this has happened. It really is. Um, but, yeah, yeah that, that was our box office rundown. Should I do the usual 10? Uh, no, I mean, you want to do 86 to 1. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not doing 86 to 1. In at number 10, we have The New Mutants. 9, 100% Wolf. De- uh, 8, David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. Must, must, must watch. 7, On the Rocks. 6, Onward. 5, The Elfkins. 4, Bill and Ted face the music. Three, after we collided. Two, cats and dogs pause unite. And at number one, it is Tenet. So it's now time for our first review on week 46 and it is in fact Enola Holmes which has gone straight to Netflix which is a bit strange for a film review podcast that goes out of their way to see (laughs) all the films in the cinema even the bad ones so you don't have to um, on our main show which is usually about cinematic releases but as we've noted numerous times already throughout this episode um, that's just not possible at the minute. Um, so we are seeing some cinema at home stuff and we are going to continue to do that and uh, see some cinema releases as well. And uh, this is where we begin this week's show with Enola Holmes. And it sees England in 1884, a world on the brink of change. On the morning of her 16th birthday, Enola Holmes, played by Millie Bobby Brown, wakes to find that her mother, played by Helena Bonacarta, 
has in fact disappeared, leaving behind an assortment or an odd assortment of gifts, but just no apparent clue as to where she's gone or why. After a free-spirited childhood, Enola suddenly finds herself under the care of her brothers Sherlock, played by Henry Cavill, and Mycroft, by Sam, played by Sam Claflin, both set on sending her away to a finishing school for proper young ladies. Refusing to follow their wishes, Enola escapes to search for her mother in London. But when her journey finds her entangled in a mystery surrounding a young runaway lord, Enola becomes a super sleuth in her own right, outwitting her famous brother as she unravels unravels, unravels a conspiracy <laughs> that threatens to set back the course of history. Ooh. I know. Let's take a little listen to a clip. I also enjoy a sketch. Helps me think, process my thoughts. Helps me do the same. <laughs> a caricature. Perhaps best if Wirecroft doesn't see it. Do you intend to stay up there? I was hoping for some privacy. You know, last I remember of you, you were quite a timid little thing. You had a pine cone wrapped in wool, dragged it with you wherever you went, calling it Dash. Someone told you that Queen Victoria had a cavalier King Charles Spaniel called Dash, and you decided you wanted the same. And we could never persuade you to put any trousers on. Your bottom was always bare. I think that's all the memories I have. Thank you. If you could now forget them all. A pine cone called Dash. That sounds ridiculous. Father used to chase you all about the place, shouting, get that damn dog out of my house. <laughs> Why did you never visit? I lead a busy life. Why did you never write? Would you have cared for my letters? I have kept every clipping of every case of yours I could ever find. That's flattering. And yet, it took our mother's disappearance to bring you home. She meant to go. She's not coming back. No. But the truth is, Mother always had a reason for everything. Her own way of doing things. And those kind of mysteries are always the most satisfying to unpick. I don't want a mystery, Sherlock. I want my mother back here and my life as it was. You're being emotional. It's understandable, but unnecessary. Look for what's there, not what you want to be there. You'll see the truth soon enough. So I think that was a, a, a great clip that Craig has selected there, just in the studios, the first time I've heard it. And what I would say is that's one of the moments of the film that's very grounded, very raw, very emotional, and you get really good character development. And 
one thing I would say about this film is it's very, very vibrant. Um, the pace of it is very, very quick. Um, and that's the first thing I remember about this film. It just has a very vibrant beginning, but it also has really good character development. And I just want to say, wow, how refreshing and uh, empowering to see... Um, Millie Bobby Brown take on this role of Enola Holmes, you know, Sherlock Holmes's mm. sister. Uh, I just thought it was a really unique um, idea, a, a, just a really interesting, to, to have Sherlock as a best supporting actor character. <laughs> but this is the Oscars. <laughs> well, it's not. he's not going to be nominated for anything, but if it was uh, an awards film, he would be best supporting actor and she would be best actress. Um and what I like about it is, like I said, it's got that vibrant beginning. It's got good character development. It's well-placed. There's plenty of action. Um, don't let this clip mislead you and think this is a really slow film. There's loads of action. One of my criticisms of the film would be that it's very, very busy. Um, that clip is probably one of the only parts of the film that's quite slow with really audible and... Uh, absorbing dialogue. Yeah. Some of the film is really quite pacey and Anola's here and then Anola's here and then Sherlock's back and but then you Sherlock's know what? gone. And I, it's just like, wow, pew, pew, I pew. I like that though. I like the fact that um, you know, immediately you're thrusted into this world of Anola Holmes where Very you know, these, these great little stares into the camera breaking the, the fourth wall um, and even in the clip that we just played, obviously you can't see that but within the film during that clip takes place there's a little look that she gives to the camera that signifies her disapproval of what Sherlock is saying. And I really like that. I really like that element to, to the story. But just taking this back a little bit further, what do you know about Enola Holmes before you watch this film? Have you seen anything about her? Did you know she existed? Did you know Sherlock had a sister? Anything like that? I'm going to make myself look terrible. I didn't know you were going to ask this question. Well, <laughs> this is why I'm asking it, because I wanted to know. Uh, I did not know that Enola Holmes existed. I don't know if that makes me a terrible person. No, not if at it all. Does, I not apologize. at all. Because I, I mean, as a kid, there was. A, I remember distinctly watching a TV show that was about Sherlock's sister Enola, um, and I, it was the Adventures of Enola Holmes. If I can rightfully remember, I think it was on the BBC. It was a children's program on the Beeb, um, and it was a children's program. I don't really remember much about the, the plots or anything like that but I just remember that that was there. I knew he had a sister. Yeah. Many years later, Sherlock on the BBC, mm. um, the Benedict Cumberbatch uh, modern-day masterpiece. Um, masterpiece, wow. Yeah, well, no, if you haven't seen it, definitely watch that. It was it's <laughs> really, really good. Um, uh, Enola Holmes, or I, I believe it's Enola, um, but it is Sherlock's sister, nonetheless, is featured in there in a very different capacity yeah. um, and a very, very, very different role and um, very, very different in terms of actually she's an antagonist rather than a protagonist or support of any sort. Um, and she's not actually a good character in that TV show. So when I saw that Netflix are bringing out uh, an Enola Holmes film, I was unsure as to this character's um, how they were going to go down the road with from what I've actually seen, and it's not much. But I didn't know how this character was going to be portrayed. Was it going to be good? Was it going to be bad? Was mm. it going to be um, 
empowering even and actually as you said it, she is a very empowering character for for women and girls and i think it might have found a very good place on netflix yeah i agree for that category for the teenagers that are looking for role models and nola is certainly an adventurous young role model um and and one that i really enjoyed watching and and especially in in the case of millie bobby brown who i absolutely loved in stranger things i thought she was fantastic in that um, and in this, mm. she raises the bar even further. She's you know, just sensational. Do you know how old she is? She's 16, I think. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Because this performance is mature and grounded. and Well, if you think this performance is mature and grounded, look at her when she's much younger in Stranger mm. Things. Now, that is an also a very grounded and mature role. When I say grounded, her character is a very sort of vibrant and out, outgoing person but the performance the way she handles the source material and the way she she deals with the script and puts it out is uh, maybe i mean mature it's a very mature performance for a 16 year old um woman to 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 put out i had a little look back at you know what she she's not been in a huge amount of stuff she oh, was no, in, no. in that series that you were talking about but she was in the, the last film that she actually did or maybe her first big film was Godzilla King of Monsters which she yeah. was in um which was a terrible film but she did her <laughs> best to to do to, to do the things that she needed to do in that film i mean it wasn't a groundbreaking performance and but Enola Holmes is that groundbreaking performance for her other than you know a tv show that's stranger yeah. things but this is the film that really showcases her diverse acting skills, and I think she's certainly one to watch out for. Um, she is a Saoirse Ronan, I think. Um, I think she will one day be in the same shoes as Saoirse Ronan. Um, she, she is a very, very capable actress, and we will see more from her um, as the years go on. Well, she would certainly qualify and be the kind of person that could win the E BAFTA Rising Star Award. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see. I her. don't know if it'll be for Enola Holmes because it's not no, the no, type of film. No, it's so that particular award is for the rising well, star. It's for, uh, voted by, isn't yeah. it? But I, I, I believe more material would be needed. Is before. she up for that then? No, but I'm saying it's oh. the kind of thing that in the future, in a couple of years' time, um, with a few maybe more even films next year under her belt. Um, yeah. Um, Brilliant performance. Uh, I just wanted to say that Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes, I thought he was he was great as well. It's um, interesting though when you. I know you probably wanted to move that on a little bit, but actually, um, the Netflix are being sued. I believe it's Netflix or the oh the, the makers of uh, this film are being sued for by the Sherlock Holmes estate um, for portraying Sherlock in a way that isn't how. Um, it, it was depicted in the original source materials. Oh, boy. And in the sense that his, it's it's damning to his character being portrayed as, as actually showing some kind of emotion. Um, it's all very bizarre. Very bizarre indeed. Yeah, I, I mean... But the performance nonetheless was... Yeah, no, I like the performance and Sam Claflin as well. Um, he gave a, 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 a an interesting performance. I was looking him up. He was actually in a drift. Um... Yeah, which I thought he was brilliant in. Uh, it, was, it was also in uh, Journey's End. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and of course, Helena Bonham Carter. We've got to touch upon Helena Bonham Carter. She doesn't feature much in this film, but when she's there, she's great. And what I will say about this film is 100% this has been made with a sequel in mind. Um, potentially a prequel, a sequel, uh, 
I wouldn't say a prequel. Um, it could be a sequel, but it depends how much Netflix gets sued for. I didn't know about this suing. This is very unfortunate. Yeah, how did you not know about it? We discussed it on the uh, the Facebook group as well. You <laughs> laughed at it. Did I? Yeah. This is worrying. It is worrying. Your memory <laughs> is poor. My memory isn't great. I'm, I'm a busy man. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> I think we had some correspondence, Quake, on on this film. We did. It's from Loreline. Um, she writes in, in regards to Enola Holmes. And I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I love this film. It's exactly the type of film that I wish I'd had when I was a teenage girl. A young woman who is in, who is the star of the film, who carries the film along, solves the problems and rescues the man whose purpose is not to fall in love with the star and be rescued by him at least once a scene. I don't watch Stranger Things, so this is my first contact with Millie Bobby Brown, who I thought was really good in this role, and Henry Cavill was great as the young-ish Sherlock Holmes. Hopefully, there will be a few more sequels for Enola. Uh, She also says, Also, thankfully, my finishing school was nothing like Enola's. (laughs) Wow. Um... Laura, and that's that's a great email. We always love hearing from you. It, it you know it gives us great pleasure to read our listeners' stuff out on the show. I I think you're exactly right. Um, the, empowering, yes. Let's have more females. Let's let's move away from the male-dominated cinema industry. More female leads, more female stories. I mean, we've been saying that for years, though. It should be the norm, and this is it moving in the right direction, really. Yeah, this this is definitely moving in the right direction, um, and. Yeah, and it's just about the finishing school. I thought the finishing school scene where they showed they had lots of like a montage clips yeah. uh, of her in finishing school. I thought it was just really, really interesting because you had this outgoing woman who was very much taking control of her own life. Who was forced into this finishing school where she's taught to be a real lady, and you saw that that oppression that women had. You know, before they had the vote and uh, the way they were looked on in society, the way they were treated. And that little clip, that showing that oppression and that finishing school being included in the film was really, really important because it gave our protagonist an opportunity to quite literally break out of that finishing school and go and live her own life. Thought that scene was brilliant, you know, when she don't want to give too much away, spoiler wise, but she she she's not being told how to live her life. She's taking control. She is the master of her fate. She is the captain of her soul. My my only criticism of this film is a bit of a subplot, really, that goes on um, during it. And it is the Lord um, that she sort of comes to the rescue to. Yeah. There's, there's still, in, in these Hollywood kind of films, they still have to have a love interest for for that character for you know for the lead role or, or you know whether it's a man or if it's a woman why does there need to be some kind of love interest going on there as a subplot it wasn't needed at all it no. didn't need to have the love side of it them falling in love at any point um you know it, yes it's kind of a coming of age and it is you know part of coming of age but it just it just felt like this was a good opportunity not to have something yeah. like that in maybe it's part of the source material but you know what if you're going to move away from certain things and you're going to show things certain in tropes, an empowering yeah. way and certain tropes yeah you know show it in a different way get rid of that and and have something a bit more empowering even go go the extra mile you know don't just don't just stop there i think 
it's probably because they want, like I said, the character development is very good. I think very, very interesting that you say it's a sort of coming of age thing. That is, uh, I think that's a very, very good point. But I think because they're, I mean, hopefully they're, they're not sued badly um, because I think they're trying to develop these characters to look on to a potential second or even third film. Helena Bonham Carter, there's loads of meat on the bone with her character, with the relationship with her mum, with the relationship with her two brothers. Yeah, um, I think we've covered a lot of uh, a lot of bases there. Thank you again for that fantastic email. And um, I love it when our listeners email us, send us voice clips. It, it really makes, you know, makes the, it all worth it. Um, Craig, <laughs> all worth it. Should I ask you the question? Sure. Um, <clears throat> Enola Holmes, Mister Fields, uh, is it worth it? Yes, this is definitely worth watching, especially for the fact that it is actually on Netflix. I think this would have been a great film to have seen in the cinema, but it is on Netflix. Um, It's a great one to sit in on a cold, wintry night, uh, wrapped up nice and warm with a bit of popcorn uh, with a friend, if you have one during this lockdown that you can see this with. Um, Obviously, just going to touch upon this very quickly. uh, As of yesterday, there's been these new government guidelines in the UK that that put people in a medium high and and very high and you know for all of you that are going through those high and very high that makes it very difficult to see family and friends etc um we I, we get it and it's totally awful and uh we send you all of our love and positive vibes that we possibly can Absolutely. to get through that netflix and amazon and disney plus kind of is is, is, <laughs> is is there for you to take advantage of and watch some great stuff and we yeah. are going to bring bringing you some more recommendations for that to help you all get through that th- these times um and and again as those cinemas close um there are other ones still open and we do encourage you going to those if you can yeah absolutely. but for those of you that are in those very high lockdowns um there are other film places to watch films and we encourage you to use those yeah and before you ask me the question i'm going to plug some previous source material there's lots of episodes of cinema at home with the brilliant ranjit and herbie um so you can listen to those and we're on those too we're on those too and we also did a special called what to watch in isolation where we actually recommended some films that we thought were worth watching in isolation have a look back in our catalog loads of cinema at home stuff the good thing about netflix amazon disney plus us um is that they're they're on there they can be seen and they can be watched yeah, and even movie curzon home cinema there's recommendations yeah. all over the place from listen from back clever to streaming home. services craig ask me the question uh david is it worth it yes um i could speak a lot about this film it's an empowering film it's got a brilliant lead performance hopefully there's going to be more of these made uh, i really enjoyed it on netflix the only criticism it's a little bit busy it's a little bit frantic could have no, I like that. Could have perhaps done with a, a slightly tighter cut on it, but that's me being very pernickety. Definitely worth seeing. Um, Millie Bobby Brown, um, brilliant performance. Well done. So that was our review of Anola Holmes. Indeed, it was. It's now time for the second review on this week's episode, and it is actually a cinema release. It is Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um, well, I was very excited for this one when I saw it coming out. I saw trailers. I saw Keanu Reeves. Um, no way. Yeah, no, yes way. Um, I saw those those guys, and I thought, amazing. I can't wait to see this. But 
What is this one about? Well, it sees. Uh, well, well, it sees. It says once told they'd save the universe during a time traveling adventure, two would be rockers from from California find themselves as middle aged dads still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their ever present destiny. Oh yes. Uh, so if you would uh, like to see a uh, listen, see or listen, listen to a clip. Uh, we'll get. We're going to play it right now. For you. <laughs> oh God. Best 75 out of anyone. Is he playing hard, Scott? By himself? Good. Miserable, dude. Yes! Dude, he's cheating. Yes! Let's go, dude. Good luck, dads. Be sweet. Hey, Death. If it isn't a wild stallion. Have you come to sue me again? No, Death. Not at all. We just need to talk to you, Death. Talk to the head. When your wife... Well, that was a clip from Bill and Ted Face the Music. This obviously sees Keanu Reeves uh, reprising his role as Ted and Alex Winter rising his role as bill um normally with these kind well normally with films um i craig's <laughs> laughing chaos here in the studio um i come out of the cinema and i'll make a few notes and i'll i'll, I'll you know i'll uh, i'll smoke a pipe and i'll i'll I'll, no, you won't. I'll ponder what i've just seen this is not the kind of film that makes you use your brain in fact this is the kind of film that makes your brain feel like mushy peas um it's a very very easy watch and what I would say is, if you like the originals, um, which I have seen, one thing I would say is I didn't see the originals when I was young. And I think if you saw the originals when you were young and you grew up with them, mm. I think this would be a more exciting cinema-going experience. Um, I watched the originals only since doing the podcast, so in the last couple of years. Um, and I enjoyed them, and there was nostalgia, and... I was interested to see this coming out in the cinema. Um, our previous film, Enola Holmes, didn't actually have any Rotten Tomato scores. This gets an 82% from the critics. Ah, uh, I don't care about Rotten Tomatoes. No audience score. But what did I think of it? I thought it was... <sighs> I thought it was average at best. Um, mm. the, the performances were what you would expect from Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. Um they played Bill and Ted, older versions of those um, iconic younger characters. It's not a bad film. Let me just make that very, very clear. It's not a bad film, but it's not a great one either. For me, it just felt very much like quite forced and some of the humour was good, some of it didn't quite land... I know you say you don't care about the Rotten Tomato scores, and we've been arguing vivermently. Uh, Is that a word? That's not a word. We've been arguing furiously. Um, I've just made up a word. Maybe it's in the dictionary. It's It's... like that episode of Blackadder, where he's just, uh, where Matey Boy's written the dictionary and he thinks he's got all the words, and Blackadder comes out with loads of made up ones. But we've been arguing about Rotten Tomatoes, but that's a side point. Uh, What did you think of it, Craig? (laughs) Well, um, 
It's a terrible film. It is. It is a terrible film. Come on, but but it's a really really fun movie and one that I felt nostalgic for and one that I I actually enjoyed. Even though it is look, the plot is ridiculous, right? Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are ridiculous, and you know what? They know that they are. They they're having fun, and it comes through. The thing is. I think this is almost one of those films where they're handing the mantle over to their children. Um, so this is like handing it over to Fia and Kelly. Uh, Samara Weaving and Kristen Schaal, I think I've said her yeah. surname right. Um, they are really, really good in this movie. And actually, in fact, they are the saving graces of this film. I think they are so good because the way that they are portraying almost like a, a pastiche to Bill and Ted. Mm. They are playing Bill and Ted, but younger female versions, yeah. the way that they move, the way that they talk. It's it's them in, in, playing Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter almost in the way that they portrayed Bill and Ted. And I really like that. And Samara Weaving is, is, is really, really, really good in her role. Um, just going to call out a few performances that she's been in that I really, really liked. Um, the last thing that I actually saw her in was ready or not which i thought was really really good i don't remember don't know if you remember the review that i gave of that but it was a really great film and i was really hoping that you'd go and see that you didn't but it, i think <laughs> it at the minute like it's on off. it's on now tv okay um, well, sky cinema which i've got yeah exactly so money for very 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 <laughs> good um in that movie um She's she's up and coming. I think. Um, I think she's she's got a really great career in front of her. Could could I ask you a quick question? Of course you can. Do you think then that they are? And we'll touch we'll touch upon the other female actress shortly. Do you think that they are? You know what? I actually got that wrong. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I uh, Kristen Schaal is not is not um, the, the 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 other child. It's uh, it's Billy playing uh, played by uh, Bridget Lunday. Pay nothing. Her name is. I yeah. am so sorry. How did I actually get that wrong? That's it's, terrible. it's okay. Those things happen, Craig. Um, but with those two um, female actors, mm. do you think that the baton is being passed? Oh yeah, could, yeah, definitely. We could see a film with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. We, we've just done Enola Holmes, and that was an empowering film. This isn't empowering, so to speak. I mean, but it is interesting to see that idea of that baton being passed to two female leads. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that that could be something that happens. It. Dep- it really depends now on how much money that it takes, though, whether or not it gets another sequel. Um, but it's not going to take much, is it? This is the problem. This is the problem that we have, yes, indeed. But, uh, you know, it is one of those things. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised because I thought I was going to come on here and roast this and say that this was absolute tosh. And in some ways it is, but I think it's a little bit better than you're making it out. Oh, I, I, I didn't get, I didn't slate it. It's a terrible film, but it's really fun. <laughs> I didn't slate it. It's a terrible film. I mean, it, it, by many standards, this is not a good film. I mean, some of the camera techniques, the way it's shot, some of the CGI isn't great. I would um, admit some of the CGI you know, was... It's pretty was woeful. You know, bootleg at best. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are probably a slightly past their best for this kind of film. Um you know, Keanu Reeves makes his money now from action films, and that's as best as that he can do. Yeah. You know, comedy. He's not. You know, he is. He is this character still, but he's old and he doesn't move the same anymore. And you know, the way that uh, Billy, you know, portrays 
um, uh, uh, Ted in this film. Like, he basically, he's playing a pastiche of Ted, and he she plays it far better than Keanu Reeves played it. That you know, yeah, I know what you. Do you know saying, what I mean? Yeah. Plays it now. It's a difficult one to describe that, but you know, I I do genuinely believe that that they are performing this better than they are. They're past their best. You know, it is, it is. It isn't great, but when you add up all those elements of the not so goodness, and the and and some of the comedy and some of the fun plot lines, even though some of the plot lines are absolutely ridiculous and terrible, and the time travel is completely ridiculous, yeah, it, it adds up Nolan to. Christopher Nolan wouldn't be impressed. This is not a tenant kind of film. It <laughs> it certainly actually adds up to a bit of fun and one that um was enjoyed by those that I went to see it with and. Yeah. Uh, you know, enjoyed by yourself in some respects, but it, by by mm. cinema standards, it's not a great film. Yeah. It's pretty terrible, actually. There was there was a gentleman in my particular screening that um, he would have been the perfect advert for Cineworld. Like, I wish someone was filming him. He came in with a big bag of popcorn. By the way, a large popcorn at the cinema. Who can eat one of those? I mean, what a joke. They are like, literally huge, like a duffel bag of... They're not good for the for the stomach either. Digestion. <laughs> and he came in with his big drink and he sat down and he was doing that thing, you know, where you throw popcorn into your mouth. He was having a great time. Oh, his laughter. Every couple of minutes he laughed. And... Maybe he made me enjoy the film more because that was clearly a man who'd grown up with Bill and Ted, was coming to the cinema with his son, introducing him to this nostalgic, iconic duo. And I just loved seeing someone in the cinema enjoying themselves. So maybe that um, uh, made my viewing experience slightly better. Yeah, is there anything else you want to say about the film at all? Well, not really. I mean, normally we would dive into who was behind the cinematography, maybe the production design, but... Like you say, I mean, cinematography-wise, bog bog standard, very average. So no, I'm 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 ready to I'm ready to ask the question or be asked the question. Okay, David. At one hour thirty-one minutes, Bill and Ted face the music. Was it worth it? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, look, if you like the originals, you'll like this follow-up. There are there are problems with this film, and Craig has highlighted them. But overall, I would say it was worth it. Um, and it is worth it if if you're still going to plan on going to the cinema. I agree with you. Can I ask you the question? Yeah. Craig Fields, Bill and Ted, face the music. Is it worth it? This is definitely worth going to see oh, if you, you are nostalgic, as you said, for the original Bill and Ted's. It's fun. It's outgoing. It's not great, but it is fun. And if you want a fun experience at the cinema, if you can get to the cinemas, um, which obviously some are still open, go and see it. You know, you're going to be helping the cinema industry um, by by going. And, you know, there's there are films out. There are more films coming out. We are going to be trying to highlight those. This is one. And we think it's it's worth going to see for sure. Yeah. And that was our review of Bill and Ted Face the Music. Just trying to find the jingle. Oh, here we go. We, we, what, a one-take show. Where's the jingle? There it is. <laughs> you pressed the wrong button, Craig. The wrong button. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to bring you the following news. 
<laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we need a better jingle for that. Actually. I don't know. I think that sums it up. It's just me saying the word news. I feel like it needs to have like... Actually, that's like a cinema movie. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. You like, know, like, well, da-da, da-da, yeah. well, you can get those news kind of jingles. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty happy with news. I'll, I'll find something for the next episode. But Craig, alas, what is the news? Well, um, so as most of you have probably read... Um, with Cineworld closing all of its cinemas, um, Odeon moved to do a similar thing as uh, as View have done over the last uh, well day, which is to close 21 of its venues across the UK for three days a week. Odeon are closing cinemas and opening them on weekends only, but not all of them. Um, Cineworld and Picturehouse close all of their cinemas it's huge news really um we've talked about it extensively at the beginning but i say extensively we're going to really delve into the nitty-gritty here why we kind of think this is happening um so one of the reasons that that i've cited kind of earlier on is certain well i mean cinemas need to have films yeah and with the constant pandemic um spreading throughout our society Film studios have moved films back or cancelled them and put them straight to streaming services. Now, Bond was a huge blockbuster draw, and I think that's. I, I think I think Cineworld, as a chain, have decided to close all of their stores, all of their cinemas, in in spite almost of what's going on and you know we are by the way we are not actually sponsored by Cineworld yeah. we are associated with Cineworld in Hemel Hempstead um these are our own personal opinions there is no fact to this but it's almost like they are saying you know what we won't show any of your films we won't provide any profit to you guys who are just putting out some films, but not the ones that you really want to make some serious money on. Now, Bond would have made billions at the box office. Billions. Still. <laughs> billions. Okay. A, a, a billion at least. But it takes in a billion at least from sponsors. That's from Aston Martin, from Jaguar, from Rolex, all of these big name sponsors that Bond has. They would have made their money back for making the film on that. And then they would have made some on top of that from the box office. Whether the numbers would have been slightly smaller than a normal James Bond outing remains to be seen. But I think it would have been a big draw. But going back a little bit, Disney. Disney have been one of the worst studios, I think, because they're not pushing films back. Well, they are, but not the big ones like Mulan or Soul the kids' films, they're putting those straight onto Disney+. Plus. Now, I don't know, I, have, I haven't read so many of their statements. Mulan, maybe, there's obviously some criticism over the way that it portrays and yeah. controversies there. Maybe they were trying to, trying to lower their impact on that side Brush of things. Brush it under, the, Brush it under the carpet a little bit by putting it onto there's Disney+. There's controversy Plus. about where it was filmed in China as well, wasn't there? A lot of that stuff, yeah, but maybe... Maybe Mulan would have been the one that brought some of the families back. Tenet brought back a lot of the action people who like seeing sci-fi, Christopher Nolan kind of films. Bond would have been the real action-going one. Those three films combined, I think, would have reinvigorated the cinema-going experience. Now, when there is a pandemic raging and things are still not really improving at the minute, as we've already spoken about, 
it makes things very precarious and I see both sides of the argument and I I just feel for the people caught in the middle and that's the cinema goers and the people staff. that work there. The staff. Most importantly, the staff that are have have well, there's no real knowing as to what's happened to them. They don't I still don't believe they know whether they've been made redundant, whether they are they've completely lost their jobs. They I think they're still in the dark a little bit. Yeah. And that must be terrifying. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's really sad, and I got quite emotional when I found out Cineworld was closing. Obviously, for the podcast, but we can adapt, we can change. You can't adapt if you've got no job. Um, and the, the, the industry faces a crisis, um, and... It's and what frustrates me, and I'm not going to go into my opinions on on COVID and how the government's handled it, but the government and governments around the world are always talking about next year, spring next year, April next year. They're talking about the cinemas maybe opening April next year. I don't think this virus is going anywhere. I don't think things are going to be much different come this time next year. Mm. So the the cinema industry is is facing a, a crisis and one thing i just wanted to share with you a news article i've just seen on the bbc that says us movie chain amc warns it is running out of money um the world's biggest movie chain has warned it could run out of money by the end of the year citing a plunge in film going and delayed movie releases amid the coronavirus pandemic and they own odeon yeah so Cineworld has closed. They they own Odeon, so Odeon could close as well. Um, and the problem I've got, and it's a really interesting quote here, actually, from um, Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins. In a recent interview, yeah. she warned that the movie going was facing a real threat of extinction. She said, if we shut this down, this will not be a reversible process. We could lose movie going theatre. Sorry, we could lose movie theatre going forever. Yeah, I was going to talk about that as well, which is huge, really. Patty Jenkins being the director of the latest Wonder Woman and the previous one as well, um, for her to say that um, when her film is about to come out in December and it still hasn't moved yet, it is still slated for December, I I I have a feeling that's going to move pretty soon. Yeah. Um, You know, that's that's big for her to say that. Yeah. we were actually going to have a bit more news from Patty Jenkins and and uh, Gal Gadot, who is the lead actress in Wonder Woman, um, which yeah. is our next uh, news item as well. Did you want to say any more about what's going on with the cinemas and stuff? I not other than my my thoughts are with all the staff, um, and just that. My, my opinion was when cinemas reopen, and by the way, Cineworld, the safety measures there were superb. Um, they showed old films, which got people back. People wanted to go back and they wanted to see, you know, um, I saw Inception and I saw Dunkirk and people were like, wow, you know, and they played films like Jurassic Park and this kind of stuff and old films and Rocky and people got back in the cinema and that's okay for a short period of time. But cinemas can't survive if studios pull the plug. And that is the problem. You know what? Saying that though, the independents are doing quite well. So... They would though. like the Prince Charles, which make their money on showing old films yeah. anyway. They're an experience, yeah, a very different experience to the big chains. 
you know, the Odyssey as well in St Albans, the Rex and Berkhampstead. Yeah, the, they all show very the latest places. films, films from the BFI Film Festival. They but they also sh- and they show them a bit bit more delayed, but they're still showing them nonetheless. Mm. Um, and but they're showing old films as well, and they have that on constant rotation. They have different. They were in, I mean, the Odyssey was playing Shawshank Redemption. They were playing Back to the Future, and it's an experience to sit at that table, order a cheese board, a bottle of wine, yeah, the, you know, and you, you can these watch these there, old yeah. films that you didn't get to see the first time around in the cinema that's really great and and they're actually doing really quite well and if you can um support those because they are doing some really great stuff i mean the rex um not the rex um the odyssey that i saw advertising uh they were playing max richards um the documentary film that i wanted to yeah. go and see um for one day only and I don't know if it's been on got been and or gone, but if you if 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 you can go and see that, um, book yourself in for it because it, um, I I I sat and experienced Max Richards' um, sleep. Uh, the documentary is cool, yeah. but I I I sat and listened to that live in in a auditorium in Bristol, um, and. It was amazing that experience, and the documentary delves a lot more into all yeah. what that's all about. Support the independent cinemas. Um, go and see as many movies as you can out there. The thing that really struck me as quite annoying and ridiculous was was Boris though the way he after the cinemas start closing, go to the cinemas. Shambles, I'm afraid. Just disgusting behaviour, really, isn't it? Don't tell people to go and see it. Provide support. Yeah. Inject some money. Speak to the film studios. See what's going on. Yeah. What can they work out? The government need are so inept and just not doing enough really to save people's jobs not just in the cinema industry but in all industries and this has been a rant that's gone on for a bit too long now no i think i think you've hit the nail on the head just looking on bbc news here it just says that an an independent cinema in cornwall has asked for people's help come in and buy a coffee popcorn to take home or buy a gift card as a present you know do these things go to these independent cinemas go to your your big chains as well with your views and your audience support the cinema industry it's about supporting the industry as a whole and not just jobs and yeah talk about you know after the horse has bolted i mean it we won't go into my personal politics but i've been known to defend boris johnson and i have done but this was this was oh dear no i have and i'll be honest about that and people who know me will know that i've defended this government but this is a shambles this is a joke this is not acceptable cineworld closes and then you tell people to go to the cinema it's too late boris it was too late you should have been encouraging people to get back to the cinema and providing funding earlier funding i mean funding for the arts david oh well, w- w- that whole Fatima thing, um, what an absolute disgrace the, that was. The, the ballerina. W- well, yeah, w- the, a picture of a ballerina and it said Fatima's new job could be in cyber. She just doesn't know it yet. Rethink, reboot, retrain. Basically, basically telling people who have trained for years, I cannot tell you how difficult it is to become a ballet dancer but it's bloody difficult <laughs> I thought you were going to say <laughs> oh, have you, but it is you know? bloody difficult it takes years of hard work determination what our lovely listeners don't know is David is actually a trained ballet dancer no I'm not and dedication he retrained as one and dedication and it's the same if you're um, if you're an artist if oh, yeah, you're no, an true. actor very true anyone in the arts 
it's a, my brother is in this industry. He's a trained actor. Um, he's just come out of the University of Manchester with a first-class honours degree in acting. Uh, he's got an agent, and hopefully he's got some work coming up. But all of his work, all the things that he had lined up, theatre productions, um, he was on the Polar Express again. So, you know, Tom Hanks' yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. He performed Tom Hanks' role on a live steam train. Um, he was going to do that again that Christmas. All of that is gone. And instead of providing money to the arts, funding the arts, for goodness sake, the government says, rethink, reboot and retrain. You are kidding me. What a shambles. I'm sorry, but that is that is pathetic. Telling these people to rethink and retrain is a joke, and it's not acceptable, and I will call it out, but I will say no more. Thank you for that. Um, I totally agree with you. Um, so uh, finally moving on to our last and next article is about Gal Gadot. Um, the Wonder Woman director, Patty Jenkins, are re-teaming up for Paramount's Cleopatra. Mm. Um, I mean, my first thought was, oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. This is a, another example of Hollywood whitewashing um, films that depict people in ethnicities that they possibly shouldn't be. Mm. But there's been uh, there's a lot of things on Twitter saying, actually, well, Cleopatra was actually from Greek descent, mm. which um, which may aid Patty Jenkins here in, in the choice of casting Gal Gadot. But I still think it's somewhat unacceptable, baby. What do you think? Um, yeah, I don't really have... It's, it's yeah. It's, you have an opinion, surely. It's it's not ideal. Um, it's not something that I've looked into um, as, as extensively, and I'm still um, wiping the sweat off my brow from my last rant. But it's not. <laughs> um, it's not ideal, is it? Let's no, it's not. It's it's just typical Hollywood, though. I mean, there must have been a uh, an Egyptian actress that could have portrayed this role. Um, you know, I'm not saying Gal Gadot isn't a fantastic actress. She is, but it just doesn't feel right. Um, I'm sure and maybe... And this is something that people have been calling out on, on... They have. They have been calling this out on Twitter. They've been calling it out on the news as well. It, I mean, it is, it isn't great. But then other people were saying, actually, historically, she was of Greek descent. Whether that means that's the sort of Gal Gadot's got that Greek look, I don't know, mm. but... I mean, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Is this is this appropriate? Is this inappropriate? Is this typical Hollywood? Email the show. My mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. Your emails are very valid. Um, David, any other news you wanted to talk about? No, I think that was it. Um, just to confirm, the slogan is rethink, reskill, reboot. I may have got that wrong in the rant, but the, uh, the premise remains the same. Um, unacceptable. And that was the news. <laughs> News. We interrupt this broadcast of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast for an important announcement. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would like to remind you that you can now become a Patreon supporter for as little as $3 a month. This helps the podcast to continue to grow as well as offering the potential for bonus content and Is It Worth It? merchandise. Your support helps the podcast stay alive. So why not become a Patreon supporter today? Head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Is It Worth It? Podcast.
we're now on our next movie review on week 46 and it's a netflix one again uh, and it's i'm thinking of ending things uh, this is directed by charlie kaufman and uh, what is this film about well full of misgivings a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents secluded farm upon arriving she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself uh, this is a very very strange and bizarre film and here is a clip from it I mean, they're pretty, but I don't see how it's supposed to make me feel something if there's not a person in them feeling something, if there's not a person in them feeling sad or joyous or whatever other emotion you said. Well, maybe think of yourself as the person looking out at the scene. I'd have to see me in them. Well, if you were there, you wouldn't see yourself, right? Well, I would if I looked down. I'm not a ghost. And uh, that was a clip from I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Um, I mean, the clips were very difficult to find. So, I mean, that might not be the best clip that represents this film in some uh, instances, but it is very bizarre and very strange. And the way well, you that you can say that again. <laughs> but the way it's filmed and the way that it's acted and the story in itself is just is just a bit, it's confusing. Um, <laughs> but you know what? We're going to start from the very top here. So directed by Charlie Kaufman, who is um, a director that I I do enjoy some of his films. Um, I've seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You may have seen that. Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being John Malkovich with uh, John Malkovich. Um, <laughs> and the monk. It's, it's just, the, yeah, he's, he's a very out there writer and director he's an avid reader and and likes to adapt films for the screen uh, and this is another one this is based on the book by ian reed um and yeah i mean jesse plerum Plen- i can't say his name her name no, no uh jesse, oh, his name yeah. also my apologies yeah they're both called jesse um jesse plenum's plenum plenum uh matt damon <laughs> Meth Damon. Um, Jesse Plemons. There we go. Thank you very much, David. I'm my I thought you meant Jesse Buckley. There's too no, many no, Jesses. No. I know. Jesse Buckley, Tony Coletti, um, or jo- Tony Collette, shall we say, uh, and David Fulis, which these are the four sort of main characters or main actors in this film. Um, and these, the, they are the central performances, aren't yeah. they, really? But most of it revolves around Jake... And the young woman, uh, yeah. the, Jessie Buckley is the young woman. Actually, she doesn't have a name within the film. Yeah, it's um, very much like Tenet with the protagonist. Yeah, exactly like that. And uh, Jessie Buckley plays this woman who, uh, with her new partner, Jake, uh, they go on a car journey to a farm uh, where Jake's mother and father live, Tony Collette and David Fulis, And things sort of evolve from when they get there and in a very bizarre and strange manner and it unravels at a very slow pace. The dialogue yeah. is incredibly heavy. But I absolutely 
loved this film. Ooh. And it's because I think I understood it. And I think I... I, I we think, are going to go head to head here. I think I understood what this film was about and what the message was and 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 reading into in between the lines. And once you get that, I think a lot of things click into place and you understand it. There's going to be a lot of people out there that really will not get this, will really not understand it and will really not enjoy it based on that. And, and that's fine. I mean, he's... I mean, the film um, has been made in this way because he, uh, you know, Charlie Kaufman wants to give you tidbits of information in the dialogue and in some of the visual nature of what's going on as well. And actually in that clip, there's a clue very much so in there, I believe. And, you know, you've really got to pay attention. You've really got to listen to the dialogue to really, really read into it and understand what's going on. Um. I mean, I'm trying to give away no spoilers, really, and it's really yeah, difficult you, no, to review done, it. You've done brilliantly. Really I think you've done brilliantly, and we'll, we'll bounce off each other a bit. Would you like to hear my thoughts? No. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so, the first thing I'll say about this film is, and I genuinely mean this, this is by far the most bizarre film, not only that I've seen since doing this podcast, but I genuinely think this is one of the most bizarre films I've ever seen in my life. And this is the ultimate... I'm not sure you've seen Being John Malkovich, then. I have. Have you? Yeah, but I think this is more mad. You reckon? Yeah. Okay. This is this is totally balmy. Um, you made me lose my train of thought. Sorry. So, yeah, no, totally crazy. And it's the ultimate Marmite movie. And I really mean that. And I... And I I'm adamant that some people will be like Craig and will love this film. But if you don't love this film, you're going to absolutely hate it. Let me make that very clear. You are going to want to turn it off. You're going to despise it. Um, It's a very quiet start from what I remember in this voiceover. And what this film has is creepy realism, super realism, surreal realism. You feel like when they're on this car journey in this terrible weather, by the way, it's terrible storm, this snowstorm that they're stuck in. You've got this, it almost feels like there's a dash cam on the car and you're in this car with them and the pace is unbearably slow. The dialogue is lead heavy but there is loads in the dialogue like i think this is adapted from a book there is so much in the dialogue but i was left um i did make a few notes um on my phone what the beep is going on is one of my notes um because i just didn't know what was going on what i would say about the film is that it has really striking cinematography. Um, I hope you agree oh, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I thought the um, the cinematography was fantastic. Um, the cinematography is actually from Lukasz Zal, who is a Polish cinematographer, um, probably best known for his work on Cold War. Um, the cinematography in Cold War was um, brilliant. The, the cinematography was brilliant in this. No soundtrack... Um, which is another really weird thing. So you've got very unique and quick-changing camera angles, but no soundtrack. So that's why it feels super real. It feels more like a play than a movie. Another one of my notes, just wow. Uh, masterpiece or awful? Question mark. Um, yeah, it's it's horrible at times. Um, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it's creepy. It's confusing. Um, I genuinely thought, 
at one point, you know, have I been smoking the devil's lettuce? Like, <laughs> what, what, do you know what I mean? I thought, am yeah. I on some sort of drug here? This is bizarre. Um, the bits in the car were not as good as the bits in the house. I thought they were actually really, really quite impressive because of the way it was shot. I think it was almost done in like one take. What I will say about this film before I get on to whether I like it or not and whether I think it's worth it, the acting in this film, script-heavy performances are very hard to um, to pull off and to pull off well because when you've the more script you have the more chance you have to mess it up. Yeah. And actors are only humans, and you could be... These are long takes. These are like five, six minutes, you know, chunks of, of acting. And if you make a little mistake, it's very easy for it to, to derail. So the performances from Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons are, and I don't want to say the S word because I say sensational too much, but they are brilliant performances. Tony Collette is brilliant. David Thewlis is brilliant. The performances in this are great. The script in this is so dense, uh, denser than any script I think I've seen since doing this podcast. There's so much going on in the dialogue. But what is happening? I am baffled, confused, and like I said, am I on drugs? Did I watch this? Was this a figment of my imagination, or is this genuinely a film that's currently on Netflix? I mean, that just gives things away, the way you said that. Is no, it? it? Well, well, if people have watched it and listened to that last little tiny nugget that you just said, it might give something away. Maybe. Okay. Maybe, because there is a lot to read into this film here, and it really does go at a pace that it, it very slow and very slow but you know what i if you can sit there and digest what you see you will the payoff is great like honestly i thought the payoff was amazing at the end of it when i really understood um there is is a lot of bizarre stuff going on i'm not gonna lie it is really bizarre and if if you don't stick at it and you don't get to the end you really won't question what's going on here and actually maybe understand it and i think that's all i can really say because uh, I mean, there's so much symbolism, so many things tied up in some of the dialogue that will re- actually forebode or reveal yeah, things that are I, happening within the film. I felt so uncomfortable. Um, Good, because he's doing his job there. That's exactly what he wants. One particular scene um, when they were in the house and having dinner, and the dinner had been served up. Nobody ate it. <laughs> It just went cold. Oh, was that making you feel uncomfortable because you really wanted to eat it? No, it was terribly uncomfortable because they just served up all the dinner and they'd all got their corn on the cob and their mashed potato and their carrots and their veg and they were having this horribly awkward conversation. You know, how did you meet and are you in love? And, oh, tell us all about it. And Tony Collette, who plays the mother, is just... oh cringy and it's just like eat your food please eat your food oh surely not surely they're not just gonna let it all go cold oh wait it's 10 minutes in we've had 10 minutes of dialogue and they're still not eating their food this is agonizing there is definitely a reason behind everything that happens in the film and and once you get to that point where you kind of start to realize maybe what's going on here yeah it all pays off and it really does there is a there is a payoff with this film and i will say whether it's worth it in the question um do you know what this was this was horrific to watch really really difficult really really challenging um but it it almost 
makes you want to watch it again. Um, Are you? I'll be honest, probably not. No. Um, are we ready for the questions? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Just, just skip over that. Oh Maybe. well, I, I'll be honest with the, with the amount of stuff we've got to see. I will probably not watch this again. I hated every minute of this movie. Okay, is it worth it? Yes. Uh, what? Because, like I've said, films are designed to give you an experience. And this gives you an experience. This will be the hardest to... Look, if you want to have Netflix and chill without going into the details, this isn't the kind of film you put on. If you want to have not have a nice... Don't encourage Netflix and chill under lockdown scenarios. Oh, you know what I mean. I don't mean literally Netflix and chill. I mean, if you and your missus want to have a night in and watch a film, this isn't the film to watch. This is a film you watch on your own and you bring your A-game to it. You bring... Um, it's an... one I think would have been great in the cinema. Oh, I totally disagree. Um, I think this would have been terrible in the cinema. What? I really, th- I really, the striking I, cinematography. The cinematography is the, striking. The wonderful dialogue that goes between the two confusing dialogue. It's supposed to be, but the but but the scenes unravel in a way that is very cinematic, and I really really enjoyed that. And I think actually as well, it kind of did resemble a, a, a play in some ways. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, I've said and that. seeing that on a big screen is like seeing it in a theater unravel. Watching it in your living room for me wasn't as satisfying as I think it would be seeing it in the cinema. Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting. I don't know if Netflix has Netflix has statistics or, or, or software that can tell if people who have started watching a film finish it. Um, it would be very yeah, interesting. Yeah, of course they do. It would be very, they won't reveal that, though. It would be very interesting to know how many people give up on this film. It's the kind of film that people would walk out of the cinemas in. But why am I saying it's worth it? It's worth it for the cinematography. It's worth it because it makes you feel so horrifically uncomfortable. It's worth it because it has brilliant performances. It's worth it because it has a great... Um, uh, a great script. My apologies for the terribly long uh there. It's it is worth it, Craig. It's it's horrific. I hated it. I I I I didn't enjoy any of it. But it's worth it. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, for me, it's definitely worth seeing as well. Um, on Netflix as it currently is on Netflix. Um, why? Well, for most of the reasons that you just said there, but Charlie Kaufman has put people in an uncomfortable position on purpose. And if if you're looking for a film that you really need to have your A game, if you want to be, um, you'll have your mind boggled and really want to find out what's going on here, read into it. Um, you know, the truth might not be exactly at the ending, you know, but you'll really have to think about what might be going on here. Yeah. Then I think, this is the film for you. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. It's difficult. It is a hard watch. It's a nightmare. It's creepy in some oh, ways. It's horrible. It's... And it, I felt... I felt Claustrophobic. Trapped. Yeah, I yeah. felt claustrophobic and, and yes, trapped. What, that's, what, that's what Charlie's trying to do. He's yeah, making I wanted feel to like turn that. it off, Craig. I didn't enjoy it. I don't care. But it is worth it for those very reasons. Yeah, 100%. Um, and that was our review of... I'm thinking of ending things. So much meat <laughs> on the bone there. A full platter of salamis and ham. Don't yeah, quiet.
so it's now time for our next review and we will be reviewing After We Collided. This is a follow-up to a film which came out on Netflix which was called After, which was given a rating of 12. Uh, After We Collided <laughs> has cut... Why are you laughing? Because that's funny. After we co- Why is it funny? After We Collided came out in the cinemas and was given a rating of 15. And the reason I mention that is because there are sex scenes and it's important that people know what the... Um, Oh, I thought you meant it got like a Rotten Tomato rating of 12. No, a cinema rating, (laughs) PG-12. Yeah, I get what you mean now. Yeah, so the first one was rated 12. Well, you know what? Either way. (laughs) And the second one is a 15. What's this film about after Craig rudely interrupted me? Well, Tessa Young finds herself struggling with her complicated relationship with Harden Scott. In the aftermath of their breakup, she begins an internship at the Vance Publishing Company where she attracts the attention of her new co-worker. Before we dive into what is going to be a controversial and quite heated review, I feel, let's take a little listen to a clip. The entire world is a collection of memoranda that she did exist and that I have lost her. This is our story, Tessa's and mine. We're like an addiction to each other with equal parts pleasure and pain. You hurt me and I can't forgive you. Tessa, I want another chance. I'll try, whatever it takes. Harden's your son, but he is not without his challenges. Is he sorry? Welcome to Vance Publishing. She makes quite the impression. Wow. Pardon, Scott. I didn't peg you as a bad boy type. Let me ask you this. Are you in love with him? You're never gonna trust me. Trust you? Where has that ever gotten me? I thought that things were getting better, but... I don't know how to fix it. There is no your Tessa anymore. I'm fading that down. I've had enough of that. Who needs a big synopsis when you've got a brilliant trailer clip? Drivel. Um, Oh, drivel. We will dive into this film. So, if you've seen the first one, um, this second film follows on, as we said, after their breakup. And I think the film has a really good opening. Um, It summarises the last film and where we are now. And what that does is, for someone like Craig, who hadn't seen the original, it makes this second film very, very accessible. Um, because I feel like you hadn't seen the original, and no. I, I'm not sure that helped your viewing experience. But I, I think mean, uh, you seen the original. Yeah, I watched I the mean, original you, before. You, you saw the first one, which meant that you had a better understanding of where these characters came from. Yeah. Um, for me, the way I took it was that they had a relationship. Yeah. They fell in love. It's like a bit of a Romeo and Juliet kind yeah. of affair, you know. Well, he's she's, the bad boy and she's yeah. the goody, go- well, goody two-shoes. Well, yeah, and like it's like two people that shouldn't be together. That Absolutely. sort of That sort of setup. He does something wrong, um, sleeps with someone else perhaps, and then um, the relationship comes to an end because they walk away from each other because they, they realise that they're no good for each other. Yeah, pretty much. So that's the first one. Great. That sounds like a load of rubbish. Oh, come on, Craig. But let, let me, before you interrupt it, I think the film has a promising start. 
Um, like I've said, there's good humour and there's more character development. If you thought, it, no, there is, Craig, don't shake your head, there is more character, you haven't seen the first film, there is more character development in this film than in the first film, so if you didn't think there was much character development here, then you won't like the first film. Um, <laughs> I thought it was funny, um, I thought there were some really interesting um, performances. Dylan Sprouse from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Um, he gives, he plays uh, Trevor, who's the co-worker at the Vance Publishing Company, who's a, very attracted to Tessa. He gives a really edgy and funny and unique performance. Really, really enjoyable. Um, but this film has its problems. Um Craig, Craig really hated this film. I hey, wait, wait! Don't express my opinion. Let well, me let me do that. Okay, but where are the problems with this film? the The problem with this film is, like I said, it has a promising start, and there is good humour there. Let's touch upon the sex scenes because it is a fifteen. To me, they they felt so forced. There was, I counted them. Uh, there were four sex scenes. I made a note of that. I'm actually pretty sure there's more than that. I think there was four. Um, let me have a quick flick through. I'm going to say four or five. And they feel very forced and they feel pushed in there. Um, and they it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. And it's trying to go down that um, erotic Fifty Shades of Grey kind of feel. And it, and it just didn't have that for me. There's also the crazy mum in there. Um so Tessa originally, when she went off to college, was in another relationship with a really sort of good, hardworking, you know, upstanding citizen. They split up because she wasn't in love with him and she fell in love with Harden. And her mum goes crazy. Um, and it has what I would describe as the bipolar narrative. It's so uneven. Like the character development is there, but one minute they'll be together and then they'll be broken up um the script again is better than the first film um so if you didn't like this film you will not slow like down i'm coming in here now okay. boyo. um so your promising beginning actually i think is actually really isn't promising because all oh. it did was recap the last film yeah but which isn't promising really is it because the last film as you said there's better character development in this one from the yeah. first one so they're re all they're doing is rehashing what they did in the first one yeah. as a way of trying to you know give a little bit of basis of character yeah, development exactly. from the first one i don't think that's actually any good if this should be a standalone film then so be it you don't need to recap it and if people had seen the first one then you know there's no need to recap what happened from the last one in that sense. And in the detail that they did, they did go quite specifically into detail as to exactly what happened. And it was exactly, this is what happened in the last film, is essentially what they said. Um, so actually, I don't think that was the best start that they could have gone on to. I then I, I, I think that the um, script and dialogue was utter tosh. This this to me, right, when I came out this film, I said to you, this is like a Christmas 24 film. There are films, uh, there's a specific channel on Christmas 20, <laughs> uh, on, on like Freeview or whatever it is, called Christmas 24, and they have these really rubbish Christmas B-movies that are on there that have this very American Netflix buried in the sub-menu kind of movies that are very cheap to buy in and put in there just to fill a void if there is one on Netflix. And this felt like one of those movies. It just had nothing good about it. 
I don't think any of the acting was any good. I don't think the dialogue was any good. I think the the sex scenes, as you said, were very forced and just very unnecessary. Lots of plugging of um, what's that brand? I've forgotten the brand that's on the knickers. Was that it they... Pretty Little Thing? No, it was something else. It was it was a very pro. Um, we, I mean, it, obviously, prominent the, brand. The product placement didn't work. Oh, no, Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secrets. There you go. It, it was on, it was like, terrible. All over the place. Every time there was a sex scene, they go down towards the underwear that's showing Victoria's Secrets. It was trying to be a teen Fifty Shades in some some way. Didn't really work in that way and in that sense. And I actually thought Fifty Shades was probably better than this. Fifty Shades was terrible. Though. And yeah, exactly. And this was was worse than 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 Fifty Shades. Uh, this was an absolute load of drivel. It's the perfect movie for a 15-year-old watching want, that wants to fill a void in their day and watching it on Netflix. It should not have come in the cinema. It did very it, well. But there's nothing else on for the teens of that. that yeah, that. but it still did well, Craig. It still took over £3 million in total. It That's still got, not good. For for this kind of movie, it's done well. It That's was, because there's nothing else on. Where was it? Third on. in the box office? Yeah, but people like it, Craig. You may not like it, but young teenage girls and... And Mo- you! I, it's not as bad as you're saying. And <laughs> Young you. teenage girls and David Long, <laughs> like, after we collided. <laughs> oh, uh, no. <laughs> there are, there, oh, dear. Uh, I don't know how to, to overcome that. Um, it's it, terrible, David. It's not terrible, Craig. It is. I'd it's love to hear if anybody else went and saw this film, that it's sort of our terrible. age bracket, you know, our sort of calibre of likes to go to the cinema um, and sees everything. If you saw this and you thought this was good, please write in and explain to me why this movie was please good. Because do. I'm not hearing anything satisfactory from the man sitting opposite me right now. I've just given you reasons. There's They're a- not satisfactory. They're um, not. Josephine Langford as Tessa Young. You didn't think there's talent there? I mean, there's talent there, but what she had to work with was awful. Yeah. W- so if you, well, if you can't... No, this, you, and the material Craig, the, she had the, the, was awful. The character development in this film is far superior. There was no character development in the first film, really. The character development was better here. There's more meat on the but bone. But you shouldn't have... I, I mean, I disregard that other film, right? Just because the character development is slightly better than the previous film. Why? So you feel there was good character development? Not at all. No. Mm. I thought Hero finds Tiffin as Harding Scott. There was that one particular scene where he confronted his father, who was um, a recovering alcoholic. And I've got to say, just as a recovering alcoholic myself, I do hate how Hollywood pictures recovering alcoholics as times. It doesn't paint them as the kindest. That's a bit of a negative, isn't it? That is a negative. It doesn't picture recovering alcoholics, which I think takes great courage as, as the best kind of people at times. So it's... What it's doing is 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 painting a certain person or certain painting a, a situation in a certain light that actually is quite negative. Yeah, it's also glorifying sex in a way for this teenage era in a way that actually really shouldn't. I agree. It it's doing a lot of bad actually. Where's the good in this film, David? Please. I've just, I've, I've, that particular scene where Hero finds Tiffin confronts his father that I think is poorly portrayed because it's this idea that all alcoholics have been abusive and all alcoholics are divorced and this kind of nonsense. He actually brings out some emotion there. Like I said, I think Dylan Sprouse is good. And I'm not saying that this is the kind of film that I would recommend. I'm just, just saying it's not... back a little bit. It's not as just, bad as you... Just a little, a little bit to that point. It brings out some emotion. Mm. 
right? A violent emotion, right? Which is not to how to handle that situation at all. An argument and one that had some maybe some good dialogue back and forth that had some kind of resolution yeah. and some backstory to it would have been way better. Instead, he just punches his dad in the face and walks away and then the mum's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, yeah totally right. But whoa, whoa, where's the character development there, really? From the act, from the acting perspective, I thought that that was a good scene. I thought that scene maybe showed it more, was slightly more... better than than some of the other scenes that I unfold mean, Mo- in this film. I will say this. Uh, I mean, I mean, I've 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 had people say they love when we when we bounce off each other and argue. the The moral compass of this film is all gone wrong. You know, it does glorify violence and sex and unstable relationships and possibly unhealthy relationships. Definitely. And they say it in the beginning of this trailer clip, didn't they not? It's just not as bad as you're making it out to be. I'm not going to do the Rotten Tomatoes scores. Why? Um, Well, I can look them up if you want. Uh, Go on then. I reckon it's got a high audience score and a very low critic score, if, if, if we're being honest here. I um, I I I I felt very uncomfortable in the cinema, and I laughed out loud a few times, but not not because, not because it was a funny joke that happened, just because of how ridiculous some of the things ha- were, were, were that were that were unfolding in front of me. I just couldn't, I just <laughs> couldn't, I just couldn't, I just couldn't sustain it. Oh dear. Go on then. Well, there are no there are no Rotten Tomato scores. Um. But you just go down to the critics' review for After We Collided. After was merely awful. After We Collided is atrocious. That's uh, Jessica Kiang from Variety. A, a dull and lifeless mess. Um, yep. uh, this is not a good movie in any sense of the word. Um, <laughs> I, so that's the critic <clears throat> opinion. Yep. So any, any audience reviews on there? Uh, there are not. No. Look. I'm going to put my laptop down. I didn't like the results of that Google search. <laughs> um, you're laughing, and maybe maybe our wonderful listeners are laughing. Look, I I of all the films, you're wrong. Of all the films, I am not wrong. You of, are of all the films. I had more notes on this than any other film. I think there's a lot of meat on the bone. Um, Give me more meat. Come on. But the whole relationship is unstable, and it's an analysis of this unstable relationship. But it doesn't portray the relationship it. Relationship with the mother, the relationship no, 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 with no, no, the no, father. No, no. I'm sorry, the relationship I'm sorry. with his stepbrother. The, stop. It, the way it depicts it on screen is unhealthy as well. It glorifies those relationships. I'm not it saying it doesn't, doesn't actually depict them in a way that that shows how you know, like a, like a good drama would depict a film that yeah. has unstable relationships that educate people on how not to be it actually says actually we may not be the perfect fit we may actually be really bad for you, for each other but we're going to keep continuing hurting each other for the rest of our lives because that's what we do and actually no that's not what you should be doing if you are in an unhealthy relationship you should not continue to be in an unhealthy relationship and this movie glorified it Really quite badly, and actually, I'm really disappointed that you actually think this is a better movie than I'm trying to make out that it is, because it's really not. It's a terrible, terrible film. Do not go and see this. Um, 
the last thing I'll say is it does have the world's most uneven narrative. Na- <laughs> You're just throwing more negatives yeah, about but, it. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, 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 I'm jumping on your, your bandwagon for a second. Let me finish my notes. The world's most uneven narrative and the end was a joke. Um, because it literally ended. I'm not going to give the ending away because people might want to watch it. It literally basically ended by saying, and we're making a third film, which and I will be going to see. I laughed. I will be going to see it and we will be reviewing it on the main show when the third one comes out. Yes. It might be on Netflix. It might fall to Ranji and Herbie when they return. Okay. Look, we could argue for hours about this film. Craig, after we collided, is it worth it? Absolutely not. For every reason that I've already outlined, this was an absolute atrocious film. It was appalling. It was a B-movie that belonged in the sub-menus of Netflix, one that you cannot find unless you deliberately (laughs) try to find it. It is awful. Terrible, terrible tosh. David, after we collided, is it worth it? Uh, yes. Um, You're just saying that. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. If you enjoyed the first after, after we collided is better than its predecessor. There's more meat on the bone. There's more character development. And I think it's worth a watch. Do you really, though? I genuinely do. And I'm not just saying that to wind you up. Our cinema goers, if they do go and see this, are going to be extremely disappointed. Cut out to a little sound jingle now and we can talk more off air. But no, I think I I can't. I can't. After we collided, is worth it. Really? Yeah. I'd, I'd, oh, stop it. No, I genuinely think it is. No. We could, we could argue for hours. We really could. We will. We shall. Hello and welcome to the part of the show where I now go Han Solo. I have left the studio and I'm currently sitting in my bedroom under a duvet uh, trying to uh, drown out the sound of the pipes in my flat. But I am going to try and bring you no less than five quick and short movie reviews. And we're going to start with The New Mutants. Uh, What is The New Mutants about? Well, five young mutants just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. Um, this film is directed by Josh Bourne, uh, Boone. sorry. And the first thing I should say about it is there was, um, Craig knows more than I do about this, but there was all sorts of problems with this when Disney um, purchased Fox with multiple reshoots and the film being reimagined. And basically it was just a bit of a mess. And unfortunately that is portrayed on the screen um this film i think is very confused um i think it's a confused film it's not quite sure whether it wants to be a, a horror film I'm, it's not quite sure whether it wants to be a superhero film and it's not also quite sure if it wants to be like a social commentary about um coming of age really and what it means to be a teenager and um discover because there is that metaphor of of teenagers discovering you know their bodies are changing and that that's what's happening um to these new mutants and it's certainly an interesting film um it's one that's done reasonably well at the box office and it's one that's actually received fairly mixed reviews um and my review is mixed i mean in terms of the acting performance we've got macy williams in there we've got anna taylor joy we've got charlie heaton and i think all of them and uh, um alice braga as well and i think all of them bring uh, interesting performances. I think Anna Taylor Joy is 
is brilliant in this. I think she's fantastic in um, all of the stuff she's been in. Um, quite recently, she was in Emma. Um, I thought she was really good in that. Um, other films she's been in, um, including Split, Glass. Um, she's a very talented uh, young actress, and I think she's going places. But in terms of this film, overall, I just felt it was a little bit confused. It wasn't quite sure of the direction it was going in. Um, if you want to know more about it, have a Google and have a look at the, the problems it had in pre-production, production, post-production. It was all a bit of a mess. And unfortunately, I think that comes across on the screen. However, if I was to ask myself the question, is it worth it? I would say that actually, uh, yes, The New Mutants probably is worth it just because it tries to be a bit different. It's a bit of a spin-off. It looks at something a bit different. Um, and overall, it would probably be worth, um, you know, when it comes out on streaming services, uh, having a little look at it. Um, the next film... I'm going to look at is the Broken Hearts Gallery. Again, this has been out in cinemas recently. Um, what is this film about, you ask? Well, after a breakup, a young woman decides to start a gallery where people can leave trinkets from past relationships. Um, I've got to say, this is a really uh, unique idea. Um, this idea of everyone has little sort of souvenirs or mementos from... Um, from their relationships and she sets up this gallery where people who've had their hearts broken can bring these um, items along and it's like a modern art gallery um, and the film starts with our protagonist going through a box of breakup items um, and looking at previous relationships and previous breakups and the thing that I would say about this film is that it's got a really good pace. Um, the pace of this film is is very, very interesting. And we're interested in um, our protagonist, Lucy's character, and a gentleman that she meets called Nick. Um, um, Lucy is played by Geraldine uh, Wistathan. Um, Vistanthanen, I don't know how, if I'm saying that correctly, but um, oh, it's it's good enough. And um, Nick is played by Darcy Montgomery, and both of these performances are are really good. the The film has a, a very good pace, um, and what I would say about it is th there's lots of stereotypical tropes here, lots of typical rom com um, ideas and sort of it follows a very typical rom-com sort of are they going to get together aren't they going to get together i'm not going to give away the ending but you can probably guess it um but it's more actually than just a rom-com it's an analysis of what it means to be in a relationship it's an analysis of what it means to lose a relationship and to coin a phrase that I often use, there is plenty of meat on the bone here. Um, the performances from the two lead uh, actors, which I have probably got their names horribly wrong, so I do apologise to them, are actually really, really good. And the one thing I would say about the Broken Hearts Gallery is that its heart is in all the right places. Um, it tries to be a genuinely warm, uplifting, moving film. And whilst it's very, very predictable... Um, it does actually manage to take you on a an interesting journey uh, and one that is well worth the admission of a cinema ticket. So for me, David, the Broken Hearts Gallery, is it worth it?
Well, David, thank you for asking. Um, I would say yes. Uh, the Broken Hearts Gallery is definitely worth seeing. Um, I would recommend it when it comes out on streaming services. It's the kind of film that I think would fit in quite nicely in somewhere like Amazon or Amazon Prime, uh, Netflix. And it's a real good sort of Friday night popcorn rom-com that has got a little bit of a, a deeper meaning. Um, now, if we're going to talk about films with a deeper meaning... Um, let's talk about my next film, um, which is a film called The Roads Not Taken. Um, now, this was a film that I knew nothing about. Um, it's directed by Sally Potter. It's starring Javier Bardem uh, as our protagonist. Um, and what is the film about? Well, Sally Potter's film follows a day in the life of Leo, played by Javier Bardem and his daughter Molly, played by Ellie Fanning, as he floats through the alternative lives he could have lived, leading Molly to wrestle with her own path as she considers her future. Um, what can I say about this film? Well, like I said, I went in completely blind. I hadn't even seen a trailer. Um, I wasn't really aware of what the film was about. Um, but the first thing I would say is it had a very, very tense beginning, like an edge of your seat kind of, wow, what, what's going on here? Um, and it basically revolved around Javier Bardem's character being in bed and not picking up his mobile phone and his daughter being incredibly, and I mean incredibly concerned about this. And immediately we know that something's not right because it's 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 the reversal of normally it's the parent that worries about the child here it's the child that worries about the parent and we've got a father in bed the phone's next to him ringing and he looks completely zoned out spaced out not with it at all um and the film is very very emotional from the start javier bardem's character is deeply troubled and I'm not sure if he's mentally ill or if he has some sort of deterioration of the mind or some sort of serious condition that's causing him to lose who he is but what I would say is we're left in the dark we're not given a diagnosis from a doctor and that makes it for very uncomfortable viewing um and the film is called The Road's Not Taken because we go into the mind of Javier Bardem and his character and he looks at all the possibilities in, in the form of flashbacks or dreams or hallucinations, however you want to look at it, of what life he could have led. And we're, we're, we are left in the dark a little bit. The, the director um, doesn't hold us by the hand here. You know, we talk about people like Christopher Nolan not holding us like the hand. Well, Sally Potter doesn't hold us by the hand either. Um, and I think this is a really brilliant piece of direction from her. It was a really, really moving film. Um, and it was one that deeply upset me because we just see Javier Bardem's character um, just deteriorating on screen and his daughter trying to look after him but ultimately failing. Um, there's some really striking cinematography in the flashbacks um, that I would that I would say, you know, really take the eye and you go, wow, that's beautiful. But it is a very, very hard story. And what you get here is two stories for the price of one. You've got Javier Bardem's mental and physical deterioration and the flashback slash hallucinations in his mind of the roads not taken. Um, and then you've also got the story of his daughter who's trying to care for him. 
And the last thing I would say, it's, it's amazing as well, the different attitudes that people have to people who are mentally unwell or who are unfortunately losing their mental capacity. We see some people show such care and consideration and other people be so crass and rude and dismissive. Um, I would say that this is a one of the most challenging watches I've seen recently. Very, very hard to watch. Um, but Javier Bardem's performance in it, it makes this film 100% worth it. So is it worth it? The road's not taken. Yes. Uh, and I, what I would say is um, I will be bringing you guys road to the Oscars. There is no rumours of Javier Bardem being nominated for a best acting uh, performance. But if he were to be nominated um, or if there was Oscar buzz, it wouldn't surprise me. His performance was fantastic. Um, on to the fourth film in this list of five, and I hope you're uh, enjoying these reviews as I rattle through them. And I'm going to look at a New Zealand film um, called Savage. Um, what is this film about? Well, um, inspired by the true story of a New Zealander's street gang, sorry, inspired by the true stories of New Zealand's street gangs across 30 years, Savage follows Danny at three defining moments in his life as he grows from a boy into the violent enforcer of a gang. Um, what would I say about Savage? Well, the first thing is that it has a savage opening scene that involves a hammer. Um, and this really does, it, it really makes you aware that you're watching something savage and you're in for a brutal ride. And immediately you realise that this is going to be quite a violent film and quite a gruesome film. Um, I would say that I had trouble with the accents. Um, now, my hearing isn't the best um, at the best of times, but I did struggle with the accents. Now that's not a criticism. That's just something that I, that I struggled with. Um, and we see lots of flashbacks from our protagonist to his poor childhood, um, quite a, um, a poor family he comes from. And he actually ends up in a childhood correctional center. Um, and we see all of this. We also see um, the teenage years of him as a teenager. And what I would say is, this is just a a really interesting coming of age story um that has very very good main performances um but I, at times i didn't feel engaged with the film um and it was very very apparent that i was watching a movie i don't know if that makes sense sometimes you're encapsulated and, and taken into a film. Whereas this, I was very, very aware that I was watching a film. Um, but this is an analysis of a man that is ultimately torn between family life and gang life. Um, and the journey is a difficult one. And I wouldn't say the journey is one that I enjoyed. And for 70% of this film, even though for the, for the good things that he does have, I was thinking perhaps this isn't worth it. But the ending, the payoff, makes the journey that you're taking on 100% worth it. This this coming of age story, this analysis of a man who's come from a poor family but ended up um, leading a very, very violent gang. And the performances are, are good. The cinematography is nice. I think the script is pretty solid. I was just, I didn't know where I, where the story was going. 
But once it got there, I was very, very happy with it. And it is it is a coming-of-age tale. Um, a man that was deprived of his childhood in many ways, going to a childhood correctional centre, didn't get the family life that he so longed and craved for and ended up turning to a life of crime. Um, and it was it was quite violent. Um, but it was it was worth it. So Savage, for me, my fourth review um, on this Han Solo expedition is worth it. Um, the final film that I'm going to look at is Saint Maud. Now, this has recently come out. This is quite a new film. And there's been a lot of um, buzz around this film. You know, a lot of five-star reviews. You know, people saying the horror film of the year. Um, promises endless nightmares. Well, I did actually have a few nightmares after watching this film. A horror masterpiece. Um, you know, f- five stars and all this kind of stuff. What is this film about and what's it like? Well, let me tell you. Um, Maud follows a young nurse who becomes dangerously obsessed with saving the soul of her dying patient. Um, Maud is played by Morford Clark, and the dying patient is played by Jennifer uh, L. Uh, L, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, Ahale. Um, we'll go with Ahale. Um, whoever she is, she plays Amanda. And the first thing to say about this film is it's it's heavy and it's dark and it's gruesome and it's it's a story and a study of loneliness um and one woman's obsession an unhealthy obsession with 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 religion and with saving the souls of others and as someone who's religious myself uh, she was in dangerous territory of being too forceful and too in your face. And some of her religious beliefs perhaps were a little bit distorted. Um, it's got, it's a very slow burn um, is what I would say about St. Maud. Um, it's directed by Rose Glass. Um, so a female director and there's lots of talk here. And 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 I wouldn't be surprised if there was... It's an A24 um, production and they've brought us other films like uh, Hereditary and Midsummer. And there was Oscar buzz for both Hereditary uh, and a little bit of buzz for Midsummer. Um, wouldn't surprise me if St. Maud got um, some interest in award season, maybe not at the Oscars, but some of the smaller awards, because this is a unique horror. And again, it's one that, will leave you shocked and disturbed. There are moments of, well, horror is <laughs> the only way that I can describe it. And edge of your seat, wow, did I really just see that kind of horror. Um, if you've seen Hereditary or Midsummer, you'll know the kind of uh, of horror that I mean. Um, but Morford Clark, who hasn't been in a huge amount of, of, of things, um, gives a really uh, powerful lead performance. She was last seen in a film we reviewed for the main show called Cruel. And she was really, really brilliant. Um, Very, very troubled. uh, Very, very scary. And again, this was a, a story about loneliness, about obsession, about uh, mortality, um, about life, about death. And ultimately, it was quite a gruesome, 
chilling, striking and unsettling horror. Um, and is it worth it, you ask? Is it is it worth me going to my local Odeon or View or independent cinema houses that may be showing this? I would say, yes, it is. Um, but don't go in expecting jump scares. Um, if you don't like jump scares, then you'll like this film. This film doesn't have jump scares. It doesn't go down that stereotypical boo, ah, spooky. It's much more of a psychological thriller. And for me, in my fifth and final review, St. Maud is definitely worth it. So thank you very much for listening to my Han Solo expedition as I reviewed five films, New Mutants, The Broken Hearts Gallery, The Roads Not Taken, Savage and St. Maud, all of which I actually said were worth it. Um, normally, I wouldn't be recording in my, uh, in my own flat under a duvet on my own, but these are unprecedented times and we would want to those um, reviews out to you. So thank you very much for listening to this um, slightly bizarre, but hopefully informative section of the podcast. And that actually brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening to week 46 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Now, while this has been a very difficult episode to kind of make, because we obviously want to sound upbeat for our listeners, but actually we do have a heavy heart here, really, with, with the what's going on with the uh, the cinemas and our, our friends and colleagues on the podcast and everyone who's employed at Cineworld um, and all the other cinemas that are closing as well, as we, we declared in, in, in the news as well. So... Yeah, I mean, thank you to our listeners. Yeah, You know, absolutely. we really, really appreciate everything you guys do by just simply downloading and listening to our show. Um, we appreciate five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, but also we really love it when you email the show. We've had some great correspondence today. Um, David, how do people get in touch with us? They can email us on mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email address, again, is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. And Craig is smiling at me because I got it right. You did. Um, you can also tweet us. You can get hold of us on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, and also, why not send us a voice clip like Paul Newbegin? Paul, it was fantastic. I really loved your review of Tenet. Thank you for that brilliant audio clip. Thank you uh, for all of our Patreon supporters. You guys really, really do help us. The money that you send us to make content is is so, so appreciated. And uh, we're going to be bringing that exclusive content, like we said, uh, to Patreon first, which is Road to the Oscars and Shivani's new project, which we will reveal right now, is called The Film Perspective. And we really can't wait yeah, to share the, all the, of those with you guys. This is going to be exciting. This is exciting. Um, Craig, is this... This has been a long one, but it's been a pleasure. <laughs> and we have gone head to head. We have argued. Oh, yes. But um, I wouldn't have it any other way, dear friend. No, me neither. Good night, David. Good night, Craig. <laughs>